everyone to the very first episode of Second Chance Movies. Uh, this is a podcast where we are going to take movies that were divisive, beloved, hated, and see how they hold up over time and if they maybe deserve a second chance or don't. I love watching movies. I rewatch movies all the time, especially with streaming. It's very easy to watch things that go back into I've already seen this it's much easier to put this on and so we want to make sure we can save ourselves some time uh, or help you save some time should we go back rewatch this movie um should we not rewatch that movie yeah and I'm actually the opposite of Joe where I like see a movie once unless I'm like it's it's like Star Wars or something um, I usually am in like a one and done kind of gal. I don't rewatch movies a lot. So, uh, we're coming in from two different angles of someone who rewatches, someone who doesn't, uh, and, and seeing like what our opinions are, how it's shifted over time. Um, so yeah, we're here just to talk about, uh, movies and, and how they change over time and how our perceptions of them change too. And we like talking with each other, so we thought, you know, our favorite hobby is watching movies. I feel like talking about, you know, movies with my best friend, that, yeah, this this will be great. Yeah, we do it anyway, so we might as well uh, record it and do something with it. Yay, productivity! So, for the very first inaugural episode... Uh, we chose a movie that we have a personal connection with, um, and that is the movie Passengers. Well, I just want to point out, you struggled even saying the word movie. Yeah, because it's, it's, I hate calling it a movie. So I, I think I talked over her. And in case you didn't hear that movie, it was the 2016 movie passengers yes so we actually have like i said we have a connection to it we're bonded with this movie whether we like it or not and i don't like it i'm so sick of this movie i want to be done with it forever um so uh back in uh, 2016 i guess shortly before the movie came out Joe and I participated in a focus group for it. So our first viewing of this movie, the first chance, if you will, uh, we experienced it together. And uh, it was a time. And as a focus group, we got to write our opinions right on the spot to people who would um, see it and, I guess, let the movie studios know, like, hey, people are going to like this or people are not going to like this, which... um, was probably the case yeah and funnily enough we so we were in the focus group the movie ends and like joe said you have to like write out your opinions um and we we both had a lot of thoughts so we're sitting there writing 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 about this this does not work this is bad blah 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 um and while we're doing that literally everyone else in the focus group has already left and we're still writing we're still like nope nope and the woman in charge of the focus group comes up to us and goes you know what you don't need to write anymore it's okay you're done just go home you're done we get it you hate it (laughs) here's here's your ten dollars get out of here (laughs) so so yeah that was our first experience um and so, yeah, it just seemed like the, the perfect uh, first movie to talk about because of that experience alone. Um, so 
let's get into Passengers itself. Uh, the I don't know if a lot of listeners even know anything about this movie. For those who don't know about this movie, so IMDb describes it as on a spacecraft to a distant colony, a malfunction in a sleeping pod wakes up one passenger 90 years early. Now, Jessica, do you think that is an accurate description of this movie? I think it's an accurate description of the first, like, 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah, 10, 20, 20 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more that that, that happens. Um, so I guess, yeah, it, it describes the first little bit of I it. I would say my summary of the movie is more so, I would, I would tweak that a little bit. After waking up 90 years early on a space trip to colonize a new planet, passenger Jim makes a decision to wake up another passenger to avoid isolation. Or to simplify Titanic in space. Titanic in space. Yeah, that's that's the perfect summary. Those are my two summaries. Titanic Titanic in space with a little bit that's of That's the second half consent issues that's like the second (laughs) half of the movie is titanic in space (laughs) so my summary would be two hot people in space and consent is an issue (laughs) and also a non-issue then there's some space problems yeah space problems definitely happen consent problems happen and it's i guess uh the audience is the audience's decision to decide um, how big a issues each one is. All right, starring in this movie is Chris Pratt as Jim Preston, our uh, protagonist, if you will. Um, you should know him from Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, two of the Avengers movies, the Lego movie, Jurassic World. He's been in a lot of things, a lot of big blockbuster things. And you may also know him as being the worst Chris. That is still up for debate, but mm. I think you picked your you picked your worst Chris. Yeah, Chris Pine's my best. Interesting choice. All right. He's so handsome. That, well, I mean, they're all handsome. There's not a there's not an unhandsome Chris. I I'm sure there is in the world. Oh, I okay. Well, if we're if we're counting all the Chris's. I was just talking about. Some of these famous Chris's that are our superheroes. Um, second, second on our cast list uh, is Jennifer Lawrence of The Hunger Game, Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle, some of the X-Men movies. Um, yeah, both uh, actors. This was like, you know, big block. They've been in big blockbuster movies. Uh, they're, they were on Rising Stars. So... It would just made sense to put two of the hottest names in Hollywood in a movie together where they're kind of like a romance lead. Made mm. sense. Makes sense to me. Yeah. On paper, great. Um, Michael Sheen pops up as Arthur, uh, who is an android. You might know Michael Sheen from Frost Nixon, Masters of Sex. And we also have Lawrence Fishburne as Gus, one of our crew members. And we should all know Lawrence Fishburne from The Matrix. Um, yeah. So, there we go. Uh, that's as that's, that's essential our guess. There's just really four main characters we'll be talking about. Except Andy Garcia. Never forget. Oh, he's in it, but um, he doesn't talk. Oh. He is weird. Just, he says nothing. Okay. Which is, which is a weird choice to get, like, a, a name that right. we recognize just to say nothing. Yeah. Uh, in a scene that could have been cut. Yeah, totally. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, this was directed by uh, Morton Tildum. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Hmm? Tildum. Sure. Uh, from The Imitation Game. Same director as The Imitation Game. Um, we have a few. We have the writer, John uh, Spetz. Sure. Sure. Uh, <laughs> same writer. He wrote Prometheus, Doctor Strange, The Mummy, and he's coming up with Dune. So that'll that'll be interesting because I feel like 
in his filmography, his movies are like hit or miss uh, in terms of story. And I know people are really pumped for the new Dune movies. So I'm very curious if that screenplay will be a hit or miss. Uh, but since it's an adaptation, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Prometheus was essentially just alien, just mm-hmm. copy pasted. Yeah. Um, which I don't have an issue with. I could watch that same premise over and over. Um, sure. Just give it to us again. Sure. Why not? All right. This was surprisingly nominated for two Oscars. Yeah. I, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, original score and production design. It lost to La La Land. Um, both of those. La La Land huh. swept a lot of the awards that uh, Oscar season. Except, but not best, best picture. picture. <laughs> not best picture. We not all remember that uh, that slip up at the Oscars, which was hilarious. <laughs> Iconic. Yeah, those are that was the Oscars it was nominated for the prestigious awards. Surprisingly, not nominated for a Razzie. That's shocking. <laughs> no. Uh, some of my favorite awards to read about are our Razzies, which are essentially the opposite of the Oscars. Um, we talk about the worst movies and worst performances. Mm-hmm. Um, another category, um, another awards group are the Joe Schmo Awards, um, or the Golden Schmoes, I guess is what they're called. Um, <laughs> the Golden Schmoes. It was nominated for Best TNA of the Year, uh, but it did not win. Mm, too mm. bad. Mm. I know. What a, what a shitty award to not win. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, box office for this movie. The budget for this movie was roughly about $110 million, And opening weekend, it did make $14 million, which is not quite there yet. But worldwide, it did make $303 million, so it did make its budget back. So uh, monetary-wise, a success. Critic-wise, for our tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes, it did do a 30%, which is very rotten. So there's kind of an interesting backstory in the making of this movie. First of all, this movie was trying to be made for years. Um, Actually, the story and screenplay for Passengers uh, was developed by Keanu Reeves and Stephen Hamill's production company. We Um, love Keanu. We love Keanu. Everyone should. Everyone does. So he worked really hard to try to make this a thing. We don't know what that script looked like, if it was different, um... But basically, yeah, he was trying really hard for years to make this movie happen. Um, At one point, uh, they were so far into the production of it, they even had uh, Rachel McAdams attached to it. uh, And Brian Kirk was attached to direct. um, And, I mean, something happened along the way. Who knows? Finances... there's so many movies that, like, are about to get made and don't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that Keanu Reeves has this, like, history with it and ultimately never got his final product to make done. It, yeah. And that, I, that sucks because Keanu's great. He deserves Especially, the best. yeah, if you have, like, a passion project you're working on and then for some reason it, you just don't get to make it and then someone else gets to do it, that seems, oh, I feel like that would be rough. Yeah, that really does suck, and and then the final product is this, but yeah, so, <laughs> I just, yeah, I just, I always find that interesting with this movie, that there was a deep history with it, and yeah, it was Keanu's passion project that he never got to see through, and someone else took it from him. Poor guy. But he's still doing great, so, you know. Yeah, he's lovely. You know, he, 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 he got lucky he missed out on this one, though. That's true. All right, Jessica, this is what I need to hear right now. I need to hear some reviews. Ooh, we love reviews. I want to hear what people thought when they first saw this, what the critics thought, what some fans thought. Just shoot me shoot me some reviews. I want to hear them. I haven't read these, and I'm super excited to hear them. 
Uh, this might be one of my favorite reviews. It comes from Allison Wilkinson of Vox. She called it a fantasy of Stockholm Syndrome in which the captured eventually identifies with and even loves the captor. A really disturbing wish fulfillment fantasy. Yikes. Yeah, but not wrong. She's she's not far off. Not, no, not far off. That, that describes something, yeah. Um, Andrew Pulver of The Guardian called it an interstellar version of social media stalking with a fantasy creepy start. <laughs> another another good one. Uh, these are just these are accurate. I'm 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 in it. Here's a positive one, a very simple but positive one. Andrew Galdi of Movie Bitches said, I had fun in this movie. So we got one one fan. He had that fun. That was all he said was I had fun in this movie? I had fun in this movie. Oh, man. Which, okay, you know, well, teach I mean, own. from the people at Movie Bitches, they got that. At least someone liked it. At least someone yeah. had fun. Peter Travers of the Rolling Stone said, Lawrence and Pratt deserve better. So do the audience. <laughs> we all, all three of those individuals needed, uh, needed better, yeah. Anne Hornaday at the Washington Post said, Passengers hinges on a morally dubious act that the filmmakers gloss over in a series of creepy justifications and a sudden third act reversal. So, yeah, no, people did not not love it. <laughs> yeah. I, so, hearing that review, I don't think our filmmakers glossed over it. I think they knew what they were doing and still let it happen. Yeah. Which, I don't know if that's good or bad, but, yeah, audience, we're about to get into it of why we all think that. But, so, Jessica, let's hear your first thoughts on the movie. Since we heard these reviews... What was your first review? And again, this was about four or five years ago you saw this for the yeah. first time? Yeah. Okay. What, when you were writing all your review to, <laughs> in that focus group, what did what were your thoughts? A lot. A lot of thoughts. Um, so for one, the, I mean, the elephant in the room um, is let's the- Let's rip that bandit off. Let's yeah. just rip the bandit off. Let's get to the weird- rapey consent situation so um you know chris pratt wakes up alone in this really dope ass spaceship um it's very good it looks great it's a it's a cool spaceship uh you know he's sad and he's lonely and he just wants a companion and then he's walking around the pods that everyone's sleeping in and he comes across jennifer lawrence and he's like Hey, I kind of want to bang her. Not really. He doesn't say that. But he proceeds to uh, become obsessed with her. He he sits next to her pod while he's eating and talks about her. They do these weird, like, video testimonies uh, of each passenger. So he watches them. Uh, like, like one of the critics said, it's like social media stalking where he's, like, looking into her past and then he just decides, you know what? I'm gonna make her mine. I'm gonna open that pot up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring her here. And it, that was horrifying to me. It was so bad that the rest of the movie, it just left such a bad taste in my mouth. I could not get behind it. And then it just gets worse from there. So that was one thing that I, cu- I couldn't deal with. I, I could not. Um, and yeah, it, it essentially ruined the whole movie for me because, and then when she's woken up, he puts on this act of like, oh no, our pods malfunction. This is wild. So he's like literally gaslighting and manipulating her and we're supposed to find this romantic and I hate it all. So for me, that ruined it uh, and my opinion was very negative, just, just truly based on that. There was no, I, I, no, I couldn't get past it. But Joe, what did, what did you think the first time you saw it? So I thought uh, essentially the same thing you did. Um, but with my tweak, I was, I was just, uh, excited about all the, like the sci-fi elements of it. Cool spaceships, 
uh, just neat I like sci-fi ideas that are planted throughout the movie about how this space travel works. I like the idea of him, po- you know, his pod waking up and he's the only one. And it's kind of like, oh, no, what do I do now? Kind of like a survival now. But then we take a weird twist of he notices one lady in a pod and is like, ooh, I want to bang her. And um, from there, he Facebook stalks her. He, I, he has the ability to look up all her profile. She's a young author that has, you know, wants to document the whole thing. So he gets to watch and read all her things. And he's just so enamored and, oh, she's so perfect. And makes that decision to, you know, wake her up and then pretends like, oh, um, I don't know how this happened. Lying to her. Um, and I think... I think those mm-hmm. filmmakers were making that choice um, instead of just glossing over it uh, to get us talking about whether or not this is a consent issue. And yeah, he woke her up and it's bad. The fact that we are trying to make a discussion about whether or not it's good or bad or to get the audience to do it, we know it's bad. No. Um, I, I always thought watching this that if we had seen this from her perspective of them waking up at the same time and then it's revealed that maybe he was the one and it becomes like a horror movie of like, oh, crap, I got to get rid of him. That might have made this movie a little bit better. But again, I have so many what ifs with this movie on if this had gone this way or that way instead of the way it went, what what would we have thought? Oh, there's so many ways. And then after her, you know, my thoughts, and then afterwards, we get, um, once she finally discovers about how much of a piece of shit he is, um, essentially killing her, because he wakes her up with 90 years left before they hit their planet they're supposed to land on. She is just mad at him, and understandably, yeah, that's, she, she's gonna die. Um, then their spaceship is going to explode or crash and you know all that seems super rushed and i didn't like how all that came together and then she realizes i love you while they're fixing it which wouldn't be i think a natural reaction to her she would still be in the i don't like this guy ever um but then you know love wins in the end so right Yeah, but that's that was my issue the first time around was like like the Stockholm syndrome of like you essentially uh murdered me and you know uh space raped me not literally but you know pod rape um and then it's like made to be like romantic and I, so I, that's where I it's like so listening to everyone else in the theater kind of groan anytime there was like a romance issue because like. When it's advertised, that movie, the trailers, we have the two biggest stars kind of on the planet right now in a space romance. And like, oh, that looks interesting and neat. But man, does it just all that romance never hits because I just think about how like he he's such a a guy now that I don't trust and don't like. And I'm never going to be rooting for this guy. Even it. Even if you are the worst, Chris, I'm not rooting right. for you. No. Not to say he's a bad Chris. He's just not as great as... He is the, the worst Chris. three that are in... See? You know, in the Chris Chris Wars. Okay. Yeah. But back to your point about making it a, a horror sci-fi. And you and I have talked about this before. I think it could have been really cool if it was all from her angle it was all her perspective she's our protagonist she wakes up um and and like similar plot points where it's like oh your pod woke up oh let's fall in love and then she realizes he did this to her he's a creep and she's stuck on a spaceship with him like that that could have been way more fascinating and and a great sci-fi horror idea. That was our first thoughts when walking away five years ago. Now, we've decided to rewatch it. 
and see if it deserved a second chance. Was this movie, did it stand the test of times? Has it aged well? Um, do we feel any different about it now that we didn't know then? Um, well, Jessica, do you feel any differently? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all, huh? Um, well, I feel like, okay, I feel like we've been bashing this movie deservedly yeah. so. Let's, let's just, like, take a pause on that. Let's get into some things we did maybe like about this movie. Sure. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's, uh, stop with the negativity for just a smidge. Just a little bit. We'll get we'll back to it. We'll probably get back to it, yeah. Oh, we will. So, what, what did you like about this movie? So, one thing that I did like about this movie was the spaceship itself. Um, I, I love a good, like, sci-fi, uh, you know, production design. Um, so, this one was really cool. It's this massive spaceship uh, where, you know, there's a anything you could ever want in it, which is pretty dope. They have, like, an arcade. They have android restaurants they have um cafeteria they have a mall kind of thing it's just this massive like adult playground in space so for those of you who do not know um the ship is um the ship is like this giant spiral ship it contains about 5,000 colonists and 258 crew members Everyone is in cryo sleep because they are going on a 120 year voyage to a planet they have named Homestead 2. Uh, they plan to colonize that planet. And so to get there, they have, like Jessica was talking about, just this, a massive ship that has everything you desire uh, to pass the time because they're supposed to wake up about. What was it? Three about three months. Before, yeah, three or four months be before before they land on Homestead Two, and so yeah. there's got to be this giant cafeteria, um, games and entertainment, and yeah, the the ship itself just looks gorgeous. Yeah, and I like too that we we see these like things that you know we have on Earth, like a basketball court or an arcade or a restaurant but it's tweaked to look, like, futuristic in space. Like, I think that's pretty dope. Um, so there's just all these, like, little tweaks to it where it's, like, this is something you normally see, but it's actually in space. So that's one thing I, I actually did really like was just the look of the ship. Um, and functions and of all the ship. The, the functions of the ship, the features of it. Like, it was just cool. Like, I... I I think it was, I mean, if I was Chris Pratt, I would have the time of my fucking life, like, just fucking around in all of this. But, yeah, it was just cool to see a very unique style of a ship. Because when we think of, like, sci-fi spaceships, you know, we think of, like, like you know, just a aircraft, like a craft, and there's very limited things. So this was, like, an expanded cool ship. Um, and I thought it was really unique and fun. I feel like had this movie been slightly better, this ship may be may have been more recognized as like iconic spaceship that we all like. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that ship! But like, because the movie did poorly, a lot of people were gonna miss out on this cool design and like thought idea that came out. Like this, this whole ship is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, even like, there's a swimming pool, and at the end of the pool is an entire like glass mirror or or not mirror a glass window uh, out to space. So when you're swimming, it looks like you're kind of swimming out into space. And I just think even things like that are awesome. It just, yeah. I want, I wanted to go swim in that pool. Fuck yeah. Like that's, yeah, that's what I mean where it's like normal things, but tweaked to be in space. And I've never seen that before. They also had these like tether systems uh, to space suits so if you wanted to go float out in space you're always tethered to the ship and have a fun little adventure mm -hmm. it almost felt like a, a cruise ship and it looked just like a lot of fun like a fun vacation what is one thing that you liked about it 
Um, besides ship, because I think this is, I mean, the highlight of the movie is the ship. The, yeah. Um, uh, I like how this movie starts. I like that we have a lone passenger that wakes up. He doesn't know what happened. Like, why was he the one that woke up? He doesn't know. The spaceship itself went through a meteor field. Um, and I guess the meteor, one of the asteroids just wrecked part of the ship and his one pod malfunctions. So he wakes up. I like this good mystery or um, more like survival of, I have to figure out a way to survive this situation. He tries, he's not a crew. He's not a crew member. So he doesn't have access to most of the rooms. So we've set up a good problem for him to solve. He tries to open up the, you know, cockpit, trying to crew quarters, trying to figure out a way to like, contact somebody we even set up that he can't really contact earth because for that message to email to them and then to mail back to him it's going to take roughly about 30 years so contacting anyone from earth is not an option um during this whole time he kind of just is in isolation he plays all those games visit all these restaurants one of the cool ship functions that I like that I thought was fun. They have wristbands that indicate like their money and what they're allowed to do based off like their class. And because he's like low class in a restaurant, he can only order like black coffee. He can't order like, you know, anything fancy that you'd get at Starbucks. And he's just limited to the places he can go and do based off of this, you know, wristwatch thing, this bracelet. And, uh, especially now in 2021, uh, been through quarantine a bit, uh, from the COVID, uh, pandemic. Um, I very much now after going through this sympathize a lot with him about isolation and being, uh, kind of alone. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have a significant other that I live with, so... I wasn't, you know, I don't have the complete isolation like he did, but uh, I'm alone during the day without her, so I kind of know what it's like to be alone all the time. Yeah, I I agree that it it was interesting the first few minutes of the movie watching this like space survival while also exploring the ship and figuring out like what does this all mean for me sort of situation that was really cool to see so I agree with you on that that is something and yeah it's interesting like yeah watching this now I did kind of understand isolation however I would not uh pod murder anyone correct the pod murder was a uh, one of the choices it wouldn't have made right um <laughs> he does like I just think before he does that, I was like man maybe view one or two more pods before we do this or see if there's anyone else we like better um and on top of that like instead of waking her up go read a book you know um you know you can because he's not alone alone um he has arthur who is an android and so he has someone who talks to him Mm -hmm. so loneliness he can't he can't blame it on loneliness um i don't think you can really fall in love with somebody based off just reading their their tinder profile essentially (laughs) Um, or, so, no, uh, you didn't fall in love with her, so you can't wake her up that way. Um, oh man, I'm just going back to my negatives, but this is, I mean, here we are. So, speaking of Arthur, that's actually one thing I do like. Um, I like, uh, Michael Sheen, Michael Sheen, Michael Sheen? It's not Michael Shannon. I know you love Michael (laughs) Shannon, but it's Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. Correct. I like his performance as an android. So yeah, like Joe was saying, there's this android bartender who uh, is the only like, per- like I guess person or uh, humanoid that he can he can befriend. Um, and I just I like the performance of of Sheen being this like humanoid, but also bartender. He's got a lot of funny lines. Um, uh, and the, and he's got one problematic line, but, <laughs> um, I, I started laughing because of that. Uh, 
Yeah, so sidebar, there is a line. Um, Chris Pratt uh, introduces Jennifer Lawrence to, uh, to Arthur. Um, they chat, and then she walks away for whatever reason. She leaves. The, she leaves. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. And then while she leaves, Arthur looks at Chris Pratt and goes, nice choice. I remember in the theater when we saw it, you just let out it. Ew! Yes, a very <laughs> I loud. Stop laughing. I could not contain it because ew! What the fuck is? Hello, she's a person. Ah, it disgusts me. But other Excellent than that, <laughs> but uh, oh, it's uh, it's such a creepy delivery. I mean, props to Michael Sheen for being a creepy android, but man, like robot, ew. <laughs> Yeah, no. But besides that one disgusting, horrifying moment, I do like his performance. I think Arthur is funny and uh, uh, much smarter than Chris Pratt's character and tries to be the voice of reason that he does not listen to. So yeah, that's that's one thing I do like. Do you, one thing do you I have think is thing? odd about Arthur being the android, he's the only android in this movie. I feel like we should yeah. have way more androids on this ship. Um, because he goes to other restaurants, like a sushi restaurant, and a robot is helping, is the waiter. Which I thought, why do we have robots here and androids here? Wouldn't they yeah. be doing the same service of waiting and being complimentary and talking right. to you? You'd want that human interaction? Oh, it's, it's odd. And also, there's what, uh, 5,500 passengers on this ship, and we only have one android bartender like that bar is gonna be hopping that's that's a busy android at minimum you should have a second android just with him to banter off each other Mm Mhm. that would have been funny then we could have had yeah we could have almost like the angel and demon like yeah you should totally wake her up you need somebody no that's a bad idea he shouldn't wake anyone up because that'll murder them yeah but like Homestead 2 is stupid. I've heard of it. From who? I'm only... Nobody's here yet. (laughs) So, do you have any other things that you like about this movie? That I like about this movie? Yeah. Um, I have... No. (laughs) Um, so another thing that I do like about this movie is how small the cast is. Like we said, it's essentially uh, three prominent characters, uh, one that has a, like kind of a cameo, and then another that has a cameo with no lines. So five, five actors are in this movie. But, you know, in blockbuster movies, which this was intended to be, we have so many characters, so many cast members. And I do actually like the fact that there were so few people in this movie I thought that that was really interesting and kind of cool um I'd kind of like to see that more in, in big blockbusters where it's just like the char- cast? the sim- small cast uh you know we get to know the characters you can have uh I mean not in this situation but you can have a compelling blockbuster that doesn't require you know nine main characters so yeah I did kind of like that I thought that that was pretty cool Agreed. So, I mean, the biggest problem this movie has is Jim waking Aurora up, you know, 90 years too early. That's unacceptable, guys. Um, Or if he's waking her up to cause the tension in this movie, I feel like we had a different route of it. Um, Especially if, if Jim is the reason she is waking up there is a moment in there where he's super depressed. He's grown a huge COVID beard. Um, what he does is he's drinking alcohol out of the bottle, and he throws it out of frustration. And my thoughts were, that's how he's going to wake her up. Because in the trailer of this movie, I distinctly remember her saying, or I don't remember, I guess I don't distinctly remember, but I remember one of them, like, I am the reason you woke up, or I know you were the reason, is very much, she's been woken up by him, and it's going to be revealed to us, how or why. 
my thoughts when that bottle was thrown was it's going to hit her pod, accidentally wick her up, and he's going to feel so just much regret and like the blame is going to be on his shoulders. And I thought this is how it's done. And nope, it just falls. And that bottle is used later because once he thinks about committing suicide and ejecting himself, he decides not to. When he sadly walks back, he slips on that bottle. And then once he slips on the bottle, he notices her pod. That's how you use the bottle? Oh my god. No, guys. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. You had your out. This this is the way I would have I would have tweaked it for him throwing it and accidentally waking her pod. That way we the audience feel bad for him too. Um we don't associate him with he made a choice that was the wrong choice that most, if not hopefully all the audience, would have never made. Yeah. Yeah, that that bottle is like the dumbest Chekhov's gun in any story, truly. I agree. Like, I think there could have been room for this to have worked if it was, like, accidental, um, you know, not on purpose. Then we deal with, like, his guilt and, like, yeah, just the choice of it all is just... I mean, Pratt himself is just, like, an engaging actor. He was Andy on Andy Dwyer on Parks and Rec. And he's, like, a lovable goofball. He just has that charm we all like. And when you make him make a just a terrible decision, we instantly can throw that away easily. Yeah. And I feel like with his charm, it was easy to like a guy for 20 minutes and be like, yeah, we're on Team Jim. We're so ready for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All thrown away. Yeah. Well, past... Okay, so we've talked to great lanes about the pod consent issue. Um, so... I'll move on from that with the things I dislike because I very clearly dislike it. Um, I mean, that really shapes, you know, the movie yeah, itself. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's no way around it. It's 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 awful. Um, but another thing that I, I don't like about this movie, all that aside, is I actually do not like Jennifer Lawrence's character at all. I think she is... Like, she just feels like this very basic character. Like, there's no... Like, it's hard... Like, I don't feel a personality from her. I don't feel any complexities from her. She's, uh, you know, wants to be a writer. That's her goal. So she's going to Homestead to, to write about it, which is like, okay, that's cool, I guess. But they, like, show some of her... Or she does voiceovers... Of her writing. And it's all like, girl, like, did you blog? Like, are you blogging? What do you... This is basic as hell. Um, yeah, there's no writing. It's actually just transcribing. She's saying it, and I think it writes it down for her. Oh, and then one of, the, like, the dumbest lines she ever says is... And this just shows how fucking basic she is. She says... Give me a coffee and a view of the Chrysler building, and I could write all day. Okay, okay, girl. Like, no. Um, so, she's incredibly basic. She's incredibly one-dimensional. One thing I don't like is... I, I like her reaction, obviously, when she finds out that, uh, you know, Chris uh, Pratt woke her up. Um... She is pissed. She's angry, of course. But, she like, she's also... Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but then, towards the end, she's very quick to forgive him and trust him again. Which is, like... Girl. <laughs> like, it, it, so, there's just... There's so many issues with this character that I just do not like. And I find her just to be kind of just there... As like the uh, like the the object of of Chris Pratt's affection, his desire. He just wants his desire. Yeah, the object of his desire. Um, and you know, it's Jennifer Lawrence. Of of course, she has some like dynamic acting moments, but it's just the character itself. I felt like, oh, here's a woman. We got a woman. Like it just it didn't do it for me at all. 
One thing I did really enjoy in this movie is the pool scene. Oh, yeah. The power goes out on the ship. So the ship itself is having some malfunctions sporadic throughout the movie and then hit hard at the end. One of our moments, while she's upset with Chris Pratt, or Jim, I'm just going to... You know, you've been paying attention, hopefully. While she's mad at Jim... Aurora is swimming in the pool. The power kicks off, and that stops our gravity. So the water starts floating up in the air, and she is has to swim, and she's swimming through it, and she can't really push through the water in zero gravity. I think that was a really neat visually moment of like, wow, this is exciting. Yeah, that was a really cool shot. That was dope. Absolutely. Um, and I, for a moment, I thought, she's going to die, and that is going to be on his conscience for a while, and he's going to open up another pot the next one. <laughs> and then he'll find the next one. He'll find the next person, like, mm, I, uh, you know what, she was nice, but... On to the next. Here's, here's another one. Oh, man. Yikes. Can I say another thing I don't like about this movie? Yeah, you say whatever you want. It's our Thank podcast. You. It's our podcast. Yeah. Um, so, uh, by the way, before we get into what you have to say, uh, spoiler alert: we might spoil some of this movie. Oh yeah, we should have said that sooner, but mm. it's definitely spoiled. <laughs> it's too late now. I mean, whatever. It's not yeah, like we're whatever. We're saving you two hours, guys. <laughs> we are. Yeah, truly. Listen to our commentary instead of watching the movie, because it's, I promise you, way more exciting and entertaining. Um, I hope so. I think so. I mean, the, the bar is pretty low with this movie, so I think we're fine. Um, so, after uh, Aurora, Jennifer Lawrence, finds out uh, that he woke her up, she, again, she's fucking furious. She's super pissed. What I don't like is the worst Chris literally harasses her harasses her into trying to get her to forgive him and it's so disgusting this was something like i didn't really pick up on the first viewing but this viewing the second viewing i was like this is fucking disgusting so like for instance she's she's exercising she's jogging around the ship and he hacks the intercom and literally just is is talking to her. She cannot avoid it because it's all over the entire ship. And he's just like, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Please, 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 please. Just like literally her fucking harassing her. And it's like, dude, leave her alone. You did something awful. And there's other things like that where he tries to like win her affection over. And it's just harassment. Like that's what it is. And it's disgusting, and I did not like it. Now, had he accidentally woken her up and she found out, would this be considered harassment if he was trying to get her attention? I think so. Yeah. It, it's still she, harassment. She she explicitly at one point says, like, I, I can't see you. I need to be left alone. And he's like, oh, so that means you want to see me, right? Like, fuck mm -hmm. off. Get out of here. Get out of here. So, no, he, like, literally harasses her to get her to love him. No, thank you. It's not no, the way it's you. done, gentlemen. No, men, that's not how you do it. <laughs> that's not how you do it. No. First of all, don't wake up their sleeping cryopod. It's not the way to do it. Mm-mm. 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 So, one of my biggest complaints about this movie... It just feels so rushed at the end about a problem that really is just come up at the last minute. So the asteroid hit the ship and that caused all the malfunctions. But apparently two years later is when the ship is like on fire and exploding and we need to fix this now or we're, everyone is going to die. Why did it take two years for this asteroid incident to finally be an issue for everything. Right. I mean, I'm no uh, physicist, but that doesn't seem accurate. Oh, you are not? Um, I'm, I'm getting my PhD, so I will be soon. Okay. Uh, but until now, I'm not. You first have to sign up for some classes before you do that, right? Yeah. Okay. 
Whatever. You got a ways. <laughs> but yeah, the the ship, the ship is like fire in the engine room, and we gotta figure it out how to stop it. And I guess their plan on how to stop it is kind of not great. They need to open up a vent to let the fire out, and we can't really open up the vent because something's broken. And so he's going to use like a broken piece of door to protect himself from all the fire because he can only open it from the outside. There's just so many like complicated, you know, sci-fi elements and unnecessary roundabout ways to fix this issue. Yeah. Um, that'll probably lead to his death. Um, and by that point, that's when Aurora is just like, oh, I love you. You can't die now. Yeah, he can. Aurora, again, this this is one way I would have, again, what if, what if he had died while trying to save the the ship? And then Aurora's like, you know what? Fuck, Jim was right. I need to open up a pod. <laughs> That'd be a w- good twist. Oh, and then that's how she like looks at a pod and is like, gives a look like she's opening it. <laughs> even better even better what if what if it one of the other pods was a better Chris Chris Pine sure I'd open his pod sorry about it Chris yikes <laughs> Um. so on, on that note towards the end uh, a little bit before all that goes down which you're right all of a sudden it's just like bam 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 we're all gonna die we gotta save the ship okay that, After okay. a huge um, failed romance, shipping yeah, into, yeah. So, b- shortly before that happens, uh, we get uh, iconic Lawrence Fishburne. For some reason, his yeah, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, I for some reason his pod opens up. I think maybe because the ship is malfunctioning. You know, Again, I don't care. He's one of the lucky few that gets his pod open. Yep. Um. <laughs> so he wakes up and he is, just starts telling them like, oh, this ship isn't doing well. This is He also bad. is a crew member. Is, he's and a crew member. Sorry. So That is an important detail. He is a yeah. crew member. Okay. Probably somebody yes. Jim should have opened to begin with instead of a, a, a young writer. He yeah. should have opened an experienced crew member. Yeah. So Lawrence Fishburne is a crew member who wakes up and basically tells them like, huh, some weird stuff is happening with the ship. I don't think it's doing well. So it felt like his character was literally just to be like, oh, hey, Here's how we do this third act real quick. And on top of that, his character, when announcing all this, also was like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm physically dying because something went wrong in my cryopod where I didn't get the correct nutrients. So I'm also going to be dying in a couple days because I have a million space diseases. Yeah. So he's like, hey, popping in, telling you the ship's broke. Here's how to fix it. I'm about to die, but you can handle it. Um, and then also what, what, what really annoys me too is that Aurora starts telling him like, yo, listen to what he did to me. Listen to what this fucker did to me. And Lawrence Fishburne is like, well, you have to understand, like, it's, it's not right, but the man was drowning. He was alone. And it's like, okay, gaslighter, what the fuck? Um, so like we said, He's about to die. As he's dying, Aurora and uh, Chris Pratt uh, are, are sitting next to him. And Lawrence Fishburne, as he's dying, chooses to have some last words, which are, you take care of each other. And so, literally, his character came in to fix the shit problem and fix their relationship. Yeah, so it just felt like his character's, like, literally the only purpose was to, like, uh, drive the plot along and fix issues that, like, you know what I mean? Like, fix plot issues that needed help. Like, that's all he kind of did. And then he died. So I have issues, like, 
with the use of that character because it just felt like, hey, I'm going to help solve all your problems. Bye. Um, So that was weird. I, I feel like he's brought in to be, again, like Arthur, uh another perspective on the was it a good idea that i woke her up or not um because i remember us thinking he had a line in there that was like you know uh drawing a man's always gonna drag someone down with him and we were kind of really put off by that when we first watched it so on my second viewing i had to pay attention to this because i wanted to make sure like what is he saying so he gets a moment with each character. Um, Gus. Gus is uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character. So Gus is inspecting Aurora's pod, and he 100% knows right off the bat that, like, you did this. Like, I know that you, her pod opened because you did it. Um, and I'll, I'll quote him, because I'll, I'll read the quotes. I wrote this down. You did this. All this time, I thought you were one lucky son of a bitch to get stuck with Aurora. It wasn't luck, was it? Ooh. Um, Ooh. How how long were you alone? A year. Still. Damn. (laughs) And so, he's not approval of it. He understands. I think Gus is like, I understand what you did, but like, dude, like, that's fucked up yeah um but like i I understand his perspective but yeah um and then aurora again like you were mentioning has her very very much i'm upset by this i need to talk to somebody other than the stupid robot about this um here's what happened can you help me out i need some therapy much needed therapy she needed poor girl poor girl i mean yeah oh um but yeah, she's she's it's murder. Gus replies, "You're right, Aurora, but the drowning man will always try to drag someone down with him. It ain't right, but he's drowning." Ugh. Aww, and poor Chris Pratt drowning. I mean, for me, I he's just trying to like explain to her what a stupid move it is. But like, you like understand why he's doing it it's not great but like he's a desperate person in an awful circumstance it doesn't make it right but this is just me helping you understand why he did it yeah i mean i guess you're right that the movie needed that like perspective but it's still like it still grossed me out (laughs) i still didn't love it it definitely feels like the filmmakers again wanted us to have these conversations of you know, would you Facebook stalk somebody? Would you open them up and, like, risk their life if it meant being with the one, your true love? Yeah. Like, But it know, felt man. flat. It did, that did not, that was not my takeaway, nor anyone thought, else's. I mean, really what Jim needed was, like, you know, some lotion, a box of tissues, and, you know... Just some like space porn or something like yeah, and dude. you have all these cool features on the ship. You like you can you can handle it, bro. Yeah. This um, is... sorry. So sidebar, since we're talking about the ending of the movie, uh, after Lawrence Fishburne dies, these two idiots have to figure out how to fix the ship. Um, and <sighs> the. Another thing I don't like is the dialogue of this movie. It's ridiculous. And here's an example. So they're trying to fix the ship. They are, you know, running around trying to figure it out. And Jennifer Lawrence, because they're not scientists, they don't know what the fuck's up. Jennifer Lawrence says, what are we even looking for? And Chris Pratt says, something broken. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's he's not wrong. He's not wrong, but I think we could have we could have figured that out. That yeah, the broken thing is what we I think she wanted something more specific. I don't know that room behind the glass that's filled with fire. Yeah. I think the engine. It may need fixing, but yeah. Let's Let's find something broken in here. Maybe I don't know. 
Oh, the door that I've been trying to work open for the last two years? <laughs> yeah, I broke that. And another thing, too, going back to my dislike for Aurora, Aurora's not doing a whole lot to fix the ship. She's kind of just, like, running around. Uh... Um, To her credit, she does take off her shirt to hold a hot handle. She, so she, yes. she is doing a bit of work. So, yeah, we needed her to take off her shirt. So she did that. Thank you. That's why she gets nominated for that TNA. <laughs> the golden schmoes. Yikes. But, yeah, it's like she's not doing a whole lot, so the urgency feels um, not real. Uh, yeah, just the, the ending was so rushed and so weird, and I think it would have been more interesting if Jim died. Yeah. Yeah. To, to prove that, like, hey, I really like you and I did something bad. I'll sacrifice myself. Yeah. Instead of, you know, having another 90 years to deal with you just being mad at me. Mm-hmm. I definitely think he, he should just ended it, yeah. I mean, yeah, because the ending is truly like a Stockholm Syndrome fantasy of, oh, no, we're in love and I hate it. Then we get a flash forward to... The three months before they're gonna let the ship is gonna land, so it's like ninety years after this of our movie, and we get Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia as the captain. I don't <laughs> delivering think amazing facial expressions. By the way, yeah. <laughs> no the, lines. He and a few crew members open up a door to see the whole like cabin of the main section of the plane, which. Used to look like an old shopping mall, um, or a fancy futuristic shopping mall, and is now just covered with like plants and trees have overgrown that they planted. Um, totally has a Last of Us vibe. Uh, yeah, it's it looks really neat, but yeah, that's how the movie ends. But I also kind of find it rude because then Aurora and uh, I was gonna call him Jim Pratt. <laughs> Whatever, and Aurora and Andy Dwyer kind of like fucked up everything that the those passengers paid for. You know, they don't get that main concourse. Now they get a forest. What the fuck? They also have been eating so much of the food. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> so my wife, <laughs> bless her heart. Um, <laughs> she is a chef, so that's like her. She thinks about the food in the movie. Um. She has a strict curfew of midnight, so she goes to bed. I stay up, watch another movie. But about, like, 20 or 30, it had to have been, like, 30 or 40 minutes after she had gone to bed, I just hear, dum 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 down the stairs, and it just scared the hell out of me. And she just stares at me, wait a second, how much food was on that ship they would have eaten? I was like, why did you, this is, <laughs> this is quite a, an adventure for this question. Okay. Um, so she did the math. She stayed up uh, past her bedtime to do this math. <laughs> she was very concerned about this, which is so adorable. Um, if there were 5,000 colonists, 258 crew, that gives us about three months before arriving on Homestead. If we question about three meals a day, we roughly have uh, 1.4 million meals for everyone uh and in aurora and jim are alive for 80 years three meals a day they're roughly eating only one hundred seventy-five thousand. so they don't really make a dent in that crew's food at all well that's nice that's good of them now yeah. everyone else can eat thank you megan for that math yes thank you megan for that much map. needed fun fact of that movie that <laughs> We were really, I didn't really even think about, but then nope. she brought up a really great point. Uh, so, like, man, they are eating a lot of the food and a lot of the premium food. Let's get into it. Our Do final verdict? Our final verdict. Does passengers deserve a second chance? So, I'm just glad that... I was able to have my second chance with it because I can tell everyone else, don't give it a second chance. <laughs> um, I think this second time when I was watching it, I, I, I had to have some tunnel vision 
because I knew I knew our moment that we hate, and I just thought, let me take this out of while I watch this mm-hmm. and not judge the movie based off this because I I already have my hate for the movie because of that, but if it doesn't have that or I think that's okay, let me make sure I think it's okay now. Just does it feel any different? And I start to notice things like the ship being really awesome. It's a fun little sci-fi. It's not very romantic. Um, I see where they may be trying to make it romantic, but it's it's not. It doesn't hit. Uh, it really is that one moment in the first third of the movie that really just sours the whole movie. And it's not something that like I can recommend to anyone. Um, it is something I can recommend if like. If you got a group of friends and you like making fun of movies, this could be a this could be a great movie for you guys to have fun together. Oh yeah, that's very true. But as like a movie like if you're picking a movie out on like date night, this is going to make the date very awkward. Yeah. Oh, do no, not. No, don't do that. So, as a final verdict for me, I'm I'm not going to give it another chance. No. It so you're saying does not deserve a second chance. Sorry, guys. We were right the first time. It it was a stinker. Um. So yeah, I, I uh also tried to watch it this time around. Uh, sort of trying to get past the 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 pod rape, but it's impossible. It's ingrained in so much of the movie. So a movie kind of revolves around it. Yeah, it revolves around something so terrible. The catalyst of the movie. So it's really hard to get past that. Um, I think it's also really hard to watch it nowadays when we have conversations about consent that we weren't really having in 2016 either. Uh, So it makes it even more uncomfortable to watch, in my opinion. Um, So I say this movie does not deserve a second chance. It has not gotten better with time. And I would say, don't even give it a first chance. Just roll right past it. Do not. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, if this movie got made today, they would tweak that one moment, and maybe that that could have been the movie we all liked. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now it's just, it's got, it, it's just not, it, it, it's gotten, I think, worse in the last, <laughs> like, only four years. So, uh, yeah. no verdict is out we both agree hard no no second chance did not deserve a second chance probably not the first chance either wow on the first episode oh yeah on our first episode we do not give a second chance oh that's so unlike me well thank you guys so much for listening to our very first episode of second chance movies Um, And yeah, we're excited to keep the party going and give other movies a second chance. Also, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at Second Chance Movies. So please go follow us on there. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think of Passengers. Let us know what movies you think deserve a second chance or not. And yeah, we'll be back soon with a new episode. And just a reminder, no Paul Blarts were harmed in the making of this podcast. Second chance.